welcome to the fifth episode of Gear Up, Triathlete's brand new monthly podcast that takes a look at the latest trends, the hot button topics, and lifts the curtain on all of that crazy tri-related gear that you love and sometimes love to hate. This week, our guest is former pro triathlete and San Diego-based coach, Jim Vance. Vance works with high-level athletes like 2016 Olympian Ben Canute, and he's written two books, Triathlon Training 2.0 and Running with Power. Today, we'll look at smartwatches, specifically for running. We'll dig into running with power to get a sense of why it differs from cycling with power and talk about how Coach Vance uses it to work with his athletes. We'll also talk about a really novel way to set up your smartwatch screens and sport profiles that you might not have thought of before. And we'll hear about Coach Vance's number one favorite feature when it comes to smartwatches. Finally, we'll get to hear about some of my favorite smartwatches as we head into the winter gift-giving season, and we'll talk about a brand new watch from longtime cycling computer maker, Wahoo. We'll get down to some hopefully smart observations about smart watches right after this quick break. Don't miss a try thing, so subscribe to Triathlete Magazine on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to get everything right into your feed. We've got our awesome weekly podcast, The Triathlete Hour, with Triathlete Editor-in-Chief Kelly O'Mara, where she covers everything try. We've got our bi-weekly training podcast with managing editor and former pro triathlete Emma Kate Lidbury called Fitter and Faster. Guess what that's about? And our audio archive of monthly triathlete live shows where you get to be the interviewer and you get to ask the heavy tri-hitters in our sport what's on your mind. And last but not least, be sure to subscribe to Gear Up so you can stay up on all the inside tech talk. Don't be that guy or gal at your next training ride, virtual or otherwise, whose only contribution to the gear conversation is, my bike has aero bars. You're better than that. Triathlete Magazine podcast feeds are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. Thank you so much for joining us today on another uh, round of Gear Up podcast. Today, we're talking to Jim Vance, former pro triathlete, head coach for San Diego-based Formula Endurance, um, a, high, a USA triathlon high-performance team that focuses on developing top junior athletes for the Olympic pipeline. He's also coach of 2016 Olympian and beast, Ben Canute. Jim has also written two books about the sport. The first, Triathlon 2.0, takes a deep look at the new science behind triathlon training. And the second, Run With Power, explores a lot of the topics we're going to deal with today. So, welcome, Jim. Hey, hey Chris. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's great to be here. And we're talking to you from San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. You're right up the road from me, right? Yeah, we're, I'm up here in, uh, in LA, just south of Long Beach, north of Long Beach. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, we chatted a little bit before we, um, before we got on, but... I guess just tell me a little bit about what you've been up to kind of during the pandemic and, you know, how it's affected, you know, your coaching and your athletes. Sure. Well, for some athletes, it's been a really good opportunity to kind of get back to the basics, not have to worry about racing, which has been nice. Uh, for others, it's been about, you know, just finding new motivations, new, uh, new challenges, which has been, uh, you know, good. Some of them it's, uh, yeah, uh I'd say they've all handled it pretty well. Um, Believe it or not, it seemed to be a busier time for me yeah. just because uh, new, this is just a new era where athletes were a little lost and confused and realized they probably needed more help than, than ever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it's good. No, just, uh, you know, like most parents had two kids at home through online learning for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so managing that. So, uh, but no, it's been good. It's been good. How's, how's it been for you? Good. Yeah. I mean, um, I always worked from home anyway, so not much has changed for me. Um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously the lack of races has been kind of a bummer for us, but, uh, um, 
But yeah, we've seen some some cool things, you know, people taking it as an opportunity and doing fun things with triathlon. That's always kind of exciting and, you know, rediscovering their love for swimming and biking and running and, and how it can sometimes be independent of triathlon and racing itself, which is cool, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been good. Um, cool. So, so today in our podcast, uh, we are going to talk about smartwatches, um, specifically, um, how to squeeze every function out of your smartwatch specifically for running, um, kind of what all those functions mean, and then even kind of go over some of the functions that you need, some of the functions you might not need, um, how the experts set up their screens, their smartwatch screens. And then later on, we'll talk about, um, a couple of our our top picks for smartwatches this season as we head into like the, you know, the holiday gift giving time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for, for listeners who are kind of catching up on smartwatches, um, we're seeing a lot of smartwatches that are kind of hitting like peak tech. Like you're almost at the point where you're wearing like a laptop on your wrist and some of them cost as much as a laptop, which is crazy. Um, you've got top of the line models. Like we'll just throw out a few that that we're seeing that are new, the Vantage V2, the Forerunner 945. And these are all $500 plus watches. Um, but now you're getting ones under $500 like the Forerunner 745, the Polar Grit X, and then even something like the Coros Pace 2 um, for like two to $400 that have some pretty interesting run dynamics. Um, and then kind of pairing with that, we're seeing devices like Stride. It's been around for a little while. Um, that'll update a lot of these popular watches to give you just like, like a silly amount of run data for like around 200 bucks. So kind of the thing today is, um, you know, most people know how to use heart rate and speed at this point for their runs. Um, but we're going to kind of talk about those other features like cadence, ground contact times, stride length, power, and then even some of the deeper stats like form power, vertical oscillation, and, you know, stuff like leg spring stiffness. Um, and we won't dive too far into running dynamics, but we're just going to try to stay on track with, you know, what you can do with your watch, what's helpful, what's not helpful. But, but let's just start with kind of the big one, the one that I think is probably the most important. Um, and Jim is clearly an expert on running power. So I guess just to start, how, how is this even measured on a, a wrist based or, or a foot pod device? Like what is running power? Sure. So the best way to just simply describe it is, uh, you know, you apply a force to an object and if that object moves, mm-hmm. you've created, you've done work. Right. So, it, you know, really when you're running, you're moving, you're applying a force into the ground, you're, you're moving the body a certain distance. So that's work. So power is a work rate. Mm-hmm. So the way to look at it that way, uh, the difference though is, you know, or probably a more simplistic way to look at it is it, it kind of measures how you move through space. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all seen runners that are very, you know, slow and, you know, plot along. We've seen bounding runners right. with these long loping strides. We've seen short, fast, high turnover, uh, types, you know, so some with forward lean, some that lean back, some that heel strike, some that are forefoot strikers, some that right. are flat footed. So, we all move through space differently mm-hmm. and power is really just a way to help quantify that. Right. Um, you know, uh, probably the most significant difference for those people that are used to power, say on a bicycle right. in, in the triathlon world is that, you know, when, when I read my power meter on my bicycle, mm-hmm. it's every walk that is there is a good walk. It's telling right. me, Hey, this is what you're actually 
producing on with the bicycle. Right. Now, there's other movements that you're doing and right. work that you're doing. Right. It's just not actually being applied to the bicycle. Right. But we focus on what it is. Right. Well, when we move through space, there's movements that we do that don't necessarily help us, right. but they're still required. Right. Uh, for example, when I when I put my foot on the ground, I my I must lift my foot up into the air. There must be some sort of vertical movement, right? Or else I'm not running. Right. I'm walking. Right. So the foot has to come off the ground. Right. So that vertical m- movement isn't necessarily good mm-hmm. for for being fast mm-hmm. running forward, mm-hmm. but it's it's still required. Mm-hmm. So it's now. Where we get into is, is that, you know, that kind of that, that uh, bell, bell shaped curve where mm-hmm. what's what's the right amount versus what's not enough, what's mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's really what power does. It just helps you quantify how well you move through space because you can take those watts mm-hmm. and, and think of it like in a wind tunnel mm-hmm. or for a cyclist, you know, OK, what's my output? If I but if I you know, tweak a little something here or there, how much more, how much do I reduce my aerodynamic drag? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in running, well, maybe if I change my body position just slightly or just change maybe the way I land on my foot or if I relax my shoulders or keep my arms in a little tighter, how does that reduce the the amount of work that I have to, I have to do in order to run a specific pace? So oh, interesting. the ability, the ability to tie your work rate relative to relative to a certain pace or output is uh you know is is really where you know athletes can begin to take the next step in in really developing their run training getting getting specific feedback in terms of okay i make this change here's the result mm-hmm. it's not just because you can make a change i'm sure you know this you, you're a pretty damn good runner chris so, <laughs> so are you, you know you, you can make, <laughs> <laughs> you can make one change and you might be faster, but it might cost you a heck of a lot. Right. You know, right. right. Uh, Energy wise. So. so it's, it's a bit different than cycling. Like in cycling, if you're going out for a ride and you're just like, look, I want to hit, if I hit 600 Watts for, you know, whatever, two minutes, that's awesome. Next day, if I can hit it for 650 for two minutes, that's an improvement, but it's, it's different for running, right? Like you're not just trying to put out max Watts in a way you're almost trying to put out minimum Watts while still going, you know, your pace. Is that, is that kind of, that's one way to look at it. Okay. Certainly, um, you know, this is this is the cloudiness part of running power. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm sure people are going to be like, "Wait a minute, I'm confused." And in, in mm-hmm. some ways, but you know, if you can hold a higher work rate, there's a fitness gain there. Right now, right. can you actually translate that to to speed right. or going running faster? That's right. the next question. Right. So, you know, you can get stronger, but you know, are you necessarily faster? Right. So, so the, that's, that's really the component to it. So, um, but you know, I've done a lot of research actually looking at, uh, easy paced runs Mm -hmm. and easy wattages, Mm -hmm. easy power run powers heading into a race for Mm -hmm. 70.3 in Ironman for Mm -hmm. an athlete. And what, what does that range look like? Mm -hmm. You know, how, what, how can it translate? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what are their best performances look like relative to those easy runs? What mm-hmm. is it? What is their worst like, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, it's, it's been interesting that the verdict's still out. I'm still kind of finishing on it, but yeah. you know, just getting athletes to see, okay, well maybe I, I'm running at lower Watts, but if I'm, so if I'm actually running at lower Watts for a relative pace, right. Does that mean I can translate that to faster speed, speed in, in the race, right. you know, at 
similar percentage and things. Oh, so, so uh, yeah, I mean, that's where I try to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very much a, a simplistic guy when it comes mm-hmm. to power. Yes, mm-hmm. there like you like we're probably talk some about here. There are tons of metrics. Mm-hmm. I swear you can have a metric for everything if you really want it. <laughs> right. And traffic's um, love that. Well, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think really looking at simple ways power can help you. Mm-hmm. You know, what's, you know, what was my, what was my race wattage? Right. You know, what did I actually do in the race? Well, right. now I come back and I want to make and check, did my training actually show that? Right. I think right. so many athletes get stuck on pace. Yeah. But the problem is pace is, pace is a result. Right. Power is more about the process. Right. Right. And, and, you know, we, we can, we can try to say, well, I want to run this pace. Well, there's so many things that affect pace. Right. From conditions to, you know, where you're racing, what the course was, what terrain. the course demanded of you, yeah. terrain, yeah. Um, your, your fitness at the time, yeah. your, your race nutrition. Right. You know, did, you know, a two hour, 30 minute bike is not necessarily on a half Ironman. Okay. Well, you can say, well, it's two and a half hours. Well, there's, a, I've seen people ride two and a half and be dead at the end of it. Right. You know, and people ride two and a half and come off and feel great. Those right. same people based right, right. on even how you ride it. Did right. you pace it correctly early? Did you pace it right. poorly early? Where so, did the effort come? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's so much to it. So this, yeah, power is, is probably the most objective metric we have in terms of being able to, to mm-hmm. quantify these types of things in our performance that, and, and quite honestly, I, I think it's, you know, I've seen it with Canute where we came into workouts and instead of me prescribing a, a pace, mm-hmm. I prescribe a power mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and he walks away and, you know, it might be a tempo effort, mm-hmm. tempo run. And, and if he said, well, I really, you know, if he comes into it thinking pace, it might be five fifteen. I want to try to run, mm-hmm. you know, five fifteen miles or mm-hmm. whatever. And, well, if he only does five thirties. Mm-hmm. in a tempo he's probably walking away disappointed right or right. maybe he starts off at 515 pace and now he's blown up and he's dug himself so deep and now it's going to take three days to recover from right. that rather than one one and a half right so when i give him just a power to go and hit mm-hmm. he just says okay i hit the power i hit yeah. the number i know i'm good right so he doesn't he doesn't care what the pace was right right you know he knows that this is the number that we're targeting and we're there. So it, right. it's been a really cool kind of recalibration for him mm. to, uh, um, to really be able to, you know, to look at training in a way that is successful and not kind of get lost in the details or the weeds. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And I imagine it's just a lot less like I, I coach high school runners and sometimes I'm just like, all right, this workout should be dispassionate. You know, you're not bored, but it's not like, you know, you're not holding it so tight that it's, it's like you're panicked, like you got to grip onto that 515 for dear life kind of thing. You're just like, we're just going, mm-hmm. you know, we're just knocking it out, just blowing it out. And then you feel great at the end. That's amazing. You don't feel great at the end. Hey, that's what happened too. So I, I definitely, I think I can see that with power. That would be a good way to reframe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so kind of getting back to the the devices a little bit, um, there, there is a big difference between, I mean, there's a lot of differences between cycling power and running power. The biggest one is, I mean, cycling power uses, uh, you know, strain gauges mostly, um, to measure the actual, you know, deflection of the materials and your, you know, whether it's your pedal or your wheel or your bottom bracket or whatever. Whereas most of the running with power devices that people use, um, they do not measure strain, right? I mean, I know there are a couple like insole ones, um, 
but they're not very popular. Um, so I don't know, Jim, if you can dig in a little bit on how, how, like, how is it actually being measured? Um, just so our listeners sure. kind of get that. <clears throat> sure. Well, because you're moving through space, it really is just about how good of a sensor is it to move through, to understand movement through space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, I can tell you the stride is the most accurate foot pod in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, much more accurate than, than your common foot pod you'd buy for, you know, an, as an accessory to any type of watch. Right. Um, extremely accurate. Yeah. So I've been, I've always been really impressed. And they did that because they, they knew if they were going to actually measure power that it had to be very good. Right. So, and it's so a little, it's, just so people know, I've never heard of it. It's just like a little, I don't know, it's almost the size of a, a watch face kind of, and a little smaller mm-hmm. and it clips onto the top of your shoe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's yeah, no wires. More simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has a pretty good charge too. It lasts, lasts quite a bit. Um, so it's measuring that and they've even upped the sensors to be able to measure and understand wind mm-hmm. and conditions. So if you're running into the wind, um, so that one's there, uh, the wrist base one, you know, your, your arm is, is, you know, it's kind of like your crank, right? You know, you know, you don't have a strain gauge, but based right. on the movement of the arm and how, how far it goes, you can through space, you can pretty much get a sense of you know, how, how well it is, how mm-hmm. well, how fast you're going. And mm-hmm. therefore what, you know, if you're, if your weight is accurate, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, how much force would be required to move that right. in that space. So there's a, so, there's a lot more calculations involved, right? I mean, as opposed sure. to a cycling computer, sure. I think cycling computer just takes, what is it? Uh, force over time, something yep. like that. Yeah. Um, yep. whereas, uh, you know, a power meter for running is it's ground contact time. It's, you know, time in air. It's like you said, weight. Um, so it's a little more complex, I think in that sense. Right. Is that sure? Like a sure. Fair... They're all, they're all still estimating. Right. So, right. you know, I mean, well, unless you're running on a, uh, you know, on a force plated treadmill, right. it's, it's, it's always going to be really hard to right. get anything, but a lot of these things have been tested on those and fairly, fairly accurate. You know, there's a couple more, um, run scribe has come out with some and there, there are two pods. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have any real experience with it, uh, yeah, to be able that. to say whether it's good or bad. Um, but it's on a similar type of uh, thing that has stride. Um, there's also, uh, you know, there have been some insole attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been as successful because of <laughs> there's a lot of torsional force when we run, you know, the mm-hmm. torque mm-hmm. is when our foot lands and presses down there. It's kind of like that. It's like a torque, a sliding force mm. um, that grinds through the ball, the foot and things. So oh, interesting. It's, it's always been really hard for sensors to, to measure that. Huh. Now there is a new company uh, that I, that I've spoken with. Um, uh, in fact, uh, Lance Armstrong's, uh, VC firm has, has invested a lot of money in this company and their huh. product. So, uh, they're, they're out of Canada and they've, they've, they've got a sensor that was pretty impressive. That's come from the, basically from, uh, the diabetes world, monitoring diabetes. Cause you can monitor blood sugar, I guess. And uh, I'm not a diabetic, so, uh-huh. or a doctor. So, uh-huh. but something about this, the sensor and pressure on the bottom of the foot can tell, tell a person a lot about blood sugar and health. Oh, interesting. So, uh, yeah, so that technology has kind of come over more so into the into the 
you know, the running world. And so huh. I expect to see that probably in, in a while. I believe it or not, I, I cannot remember the name of the company off the top of my head. So, but, uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's, uh, it's some pretty cool stuff they're doing and, and mm. I probably shouldn't say their name, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. uh, but, uh, you know, it's, don't violate it's, any uh, NDAs. It's, don't want to get Lance on your case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I didn't sign one, thankfully. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so so this technology is growing though. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Yeah. Um, you, you're probably going to get different values. Right. Uh, you know, the stride and the polar advantage, polar advantage measures from the from the wrist, the Vantage right. V, I believe. Um, that, that's what I'm wearing, and mm-hmm. it's it it definitely has very different numbers than the stride. Right. Um, I think some of that's because some of it's more biomechanical based versus oh, just. <laughs> This is where I, it goes beyond me. This is the people that are much smarter than me. So, <laughs> right. you know, I think I think when you when you look at it in terms of you know a lot of people say, well, which one's more accurate? Um, right. I don't really think one's more accurate than the other. Right. Necessarily, because I think what's it's just the, more so. Like, what's the number? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How do you know that Stride's number is correct? Right. And the, this number is right. Stride was kind of the first on the market, so a lot of people give them the benefit of the doubt that there's <laughs> right. But even Stride, when they first started, they were on a chest-based sensor. Right. It was like a heart rate strap. Right. And and the numbers changed. People yeah. who read my book would probably be like, man, those are some high numbers. I never right. get those numbers on my Stride. Well, that's because when I wrote the book, I was using the chest-based sensor. <laughs> so <laughs> the numbers changed. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's a little bit different in that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, because yeah, like in cycling, you know, accuracy is a huge thing. Like I review mm-hmm. – um, you know, cycling power stuff. And it's just like five plus or minus 5%. Like, nah, that's not so great. Plus or minus 2%. Like, wow, that's amazing. Plus or minus, you know, so on and so forth. And people will spend thousands to get, you know, near scientific grade ones, like some of the SRMs and stuff. Um, but it sounds like you're saying accuracy, uh, mildly important, but consistency, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably more what's at stake. Um, when you're using running with power, right? Yeah. Um, so you can take your race data and if it's from the same, same product, right. it's probably going to be pretty good. Um, right. but once you change products, right. you know, you're not going to be able to reflect back and, right. and do that. I, I would say it's probably like a 25% difference between polar and stride. Yeah. Yeah. So which is significant. Yeah. And I've, I've even been using, I've been using the Coros has on power now or on wrist power. And then I used the, the polar the other day and they were like, 100 watts off um mm-hmm. but they were they were consistent you know it was like mm-hmm. when i'm you know going up this hill at this pace it's it's saying you know 300 watts on one 400 on another and then so at least that was good um mm-hmm. but so yeah it's i think that's i think that's a hard thing for triathletes to get their minds around you know that that accuracy isn't super important um mm-hmm. i think that throws in the face of a lot of what triathletes believe <laughs> mm-hmm. right <laughs> Um, so that's super interesting. Um, so I guess next thing kind of talking about real briefly, like what can you do and not do with running power? Like where, where are the limitations, where, you know, where should you be looking to, and we touched on this a little bit, but, um, what do you, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, the, I mean, what you can do with it is still to, you know, that that's not been fully determined. Um, you know, I, I wrote on my blog many years ago that once we, ironically, once we put power meters in shoes, every world record would fall. Right. Um, you know, we're not quite there, uh, but you know, we certainly are a lot closer. Yeah. Uh, And that was before running power meter actually existed. Right. Um, so, 
it's, and I think I even use that in the book, uh, as I start the, as I start my book, Run With Power, I kind of discussed that when I wrote that, um, you know, it, you know, like bioelasticity of the muscle, like mm. spring stiffness, you know, that how, how that talks, that's really about how much energy can, can, can be spring loaded, so to speak through the calf and the mm. soleus. Mm. Um, you know, it's kind of like punching. Mm. So like, you know, if I, if I have a limp arm, I'm not going to deliver a good punch, but oh, if I'm, if it's strong and, and the core's there and I, and I deliver that punch full mm-hmm. on, you know, the strong core, strong arm, everything. Well, that's right. a much more powerful punch. Right. You're almost getting um, hit with the ground at that point. That's kind of what they exactly. say, right? Yeah. So you're punching the ground with <laughs> right. your legs in some right. way and the ability to, to land when the punch lands to actually spring, use that return force back mm-hmm. into the muscle to, to bring back and hit again would mm-hmm. be another kind mm-hmm. of a way to look at that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're looking at, like I say, bioelasticity of the muscle. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I kind of tease that idea in the book mm-hmm. when I first have, I'm like, Hey, maybe someday we'll be able to do this. And then mm-hmm. lo, lo and behold, I want to say two years later, or a year and a half later, stride moved away from the chest sensor, put it on a foot pod, and suddenly they could. Right, right. So, you know, what we can actually measure is, who knows? Right. <laughs> it's, well, that's what makes it exciting. But, I guess uh, I guess I mean more practically, like, um, sure. you know, like, can you set workouts with running with power? Can you set race pace with running with, like, like what, you know, what is a, mm-hmm. a listener who maybe doesn't understand all the biomechanics, but they're thinking, oh, I want to do some running with power. Um yeah. What, what can sure. I now do with that? Sure. So, so, and that's, that's where I kind of focused a lot more of my efforts. Like what is, what's simple and easy. Right. And, and I think the, the most simple and easy thing is, okay, what are my easy outputs? Right. Easy efforts. And how does that translate to a certain pace? Mm-hmm. What are my race efforts? Mm-hmm. What, what powers are those at? And am I structuring my training instead of based on paces, but based on powers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're, if, if you want to try to set a 5k PR on the track, mm-hmm. um, excuse me, the, uh, you know, you may think, well, I want to run three minute K's run 15 or four minute K's run, right. you know, run, run 20 minutes. So, <laughs> you know, the difference here is you can go on the track and, but if that, if that level is clearly in, so let's say like a zone five zone six mm-hmm. effort you're never going to be able to sustain that. Right. You know, finding that spot where and working maybe on, okay, what, at what point does that curve become exponential in terms of power has to exponentially increase instead of for me to go any faster, focus on training on that point. So you can pinpoint those better. Oh, interesting. Um, You know, Knut's best uh, WTS performance probably ever in his life was, was Edmonton in 2019. Mm -hmm. He finished seventh. Um, he's only, I think there's only been three, three men that currently race that have any top tens in the WTS. And yeah. that's Morgan, Morgan Pearson, Matt McElroy, and Ben Canute. Right. Um, so in the WTS, so, well, we looked at what his output was in that it was 375 Watts. Mm-hmm. So what we did is on all the training sessions that we did, we're like, okay, if we can't hit 375 Watts mm-hmm. in just a track workout or some sort of tempo efforts mm-hmm. or, you know, interval session, 
we know he's not there. Right. Because how he's never going to be able to do it off the bike. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, so it's that's helped us a lot to give us targets. Hey, mm. we're trying to hit this number. Let's hit this number. Interesting. Um, uh, and and he believes in that, you right. know, and we talked a bit about, you know, recalibration. Right. Um, and looking at things that way, um, you know, you can even look at it in terms of, you know, how well do you taper? What sort of, you know, when when you go from your training and then you rest, mm-hmm. you know, you should, you know, rest should allow your nervous system to actually work better, mm-hmm. you know, a right. taper so that you're sharp. So now you can move through space more efficiently. And right. Well, right. what's that bump? Now you right. can begin to, to actually know and understand what that bump is. Interesting. You can also judge your tapers based on that. Right. You know, like, like okay, how's it did going? I see that? Right. Mm-hmm. How about, did I see that jump from one to the other? If I didn't, why not? Right. You know, was it something I did on the bike? Was it the way I tried to race, you know, or whatever? Maybe my training. Oh, I tried to run a number that I never did in training off the bike. Right. right, Well, okay, then there you go. So, again, getting athletes away from pace and more of the process and, hey, do, you know, know, train at this work rate. So, you know, giving, you know, you look at an Ironman effort off the bike. Mm -hmm. Okay. It really isn't far off what an athlete runs for an easy pace when we look at pace wise. Right. So chances are those powers should be pretty darn close. Right. You know, um, if they're, if they're not, well, then either you're extremely fast or you're extremely slow. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So because you're walking the whole thing or you're just really extremely fast. So there's a certain percentage that an athlete should, should see. Right. And know. so, and if they've collected that data from races, that be, that really gets them gives them real insight into into what they're capable of or right. if their training's improving really right. bringing them the improvement that right. we're and do you have your athletes i mean i don't maybe not ben but um do you have athletes use power to help them pace during a race absolutely yeah it's number one tool number okay. one tool yeah uh it's a governor right when you come off the bike do not go over this number that's awesome i don't care right it's like Early on, especially in Ironman, it's a mm-hmm. governor. Yeah. Late, it's a carrot. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it's independent yeah. of, I mean, for readers who aren't quite wrapping their heads around, I mean, it's independent of, of hills. It's independent, you know, like your power is your power. If, if you're on a hilly course and you're hoping to run, you know, seven-minute miles because that's what you did when you were training in, you know, Kansas or something, you know, that that's wild mm-hmm. because, you know, the second you hit that hill, seven minutes is going to be max effort um but yep. if you're sticking with your power your power is your power so 400 or you know say 300 watts in, in kansas is going to be the three, same as 300 watts at you know Coeur d'Alene or whatever um absolutely yeah absolutely so that's very power cool is, you know because because remember you're measuring force production relative to so you're wearing, you're measuring work rate right you know you're still going up in the air right you know as you're going uphill right. you know it's more vertical so right. how do we quantify that well right. if you're trying to quantify pace you're going slower. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot slower. So, yeah. yeah. So I, it's, it's, it's got taking the number one thing athletes can do, collect race data, mm-hmm. train to that data, mm. especially the good performances. Right. right. Learn from the bad ones. Right. Right. That's interesting. Do you have, um, like I know in my mind, I've got a few people who I would think would use power better. Well, not better, but more often than others. I'm thinking, 
you know, people in hilly areas, um, trail runners, um, people without training partners. Um, you know, if you don't have access to a track anymore because of, you know, COVID, um, does that all sound like accurate? I mean, I, I, at least for me, like I've used running with power and I find like if I'm on the track, it's helpful, but not super helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. but if I'm out like to trying to do some kind of, you know, build run in a super hilly area with lots of twists and turns and ups and downs. I feel like for me, that seems really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. any other use cases that you think? Well, uh, you know, you say on the track, it doesn't help you as much. I think what it actually does is tells you how you're learning neurologically. Mm. Um, I remember having Canute do some three hundreds on the track and he went from like, uh, you know, like a 44 to a 42 hmm. he could do and, you know, in, in his workouts and, but yet the power hardly changed. Oh, that's interesting. So we were like, Ooh, that's, that's a big jump neurologically. Right. So, so, so just for mm-hmm. our listeners, what does that mean? What, what happened? Well, it's like coordination yeah. the ability, you know, think about athlete goes in a weight room, you know, they, they lift some weight and they're improving with their strength, mm-hmm. you know, their ability to, to press a, a, a load, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe bench press, squat, whatever, mm-hmm. deadlift. Um, they're not, they're not gaining more muscle mass, especially right. in that first six weeks. They're just improving coordination, right. the ability to recruit more muscle fiber, the ability to fire better right. um, in a more efficient way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, maybe okay, you show up to the track and, but you run the same times, but now you, you go back and you review and you realize, boy, it took a lot more power than usual to do mm. that. Well, it probably came into that session pretty tired. Yeah. And your, your recovery is probably going to be a little more extended. Right. Um, before you want to do that again or, yeah. you know, you, yeah. yeah, that's a super so, good point. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. cause I think, I, I guess I was thinking when I'm on the track, if I'm only using power, it doesn't seem as helpful, but I, I like what you're saying. If you use it in coordination with specific time, that it can be mm-hmm. very valuable. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never that. And, and, and here's the thing. And I say this in the book, people think, you know, power, power is going to replace pace. No, right. it's not. Right. <laughs> Whoever is fastest wins the race. Right. <laughs> right. You, get, you don't get to so, mail in your Watts, right? <laughs> exactly. So it's not about Watt production. Right. What, what power is doing is enhancing pace as metric. Right. Right. That's so that's that's what it is. So so anybody who's like, man, this guy's just all about power, and it's like, no, I'm I'm, I'm about going fast. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You want to win, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, that's super important. I like that. Um, cool. So uh, so we'll talk about some of the other things we covered. Power pretty ex- well, fairly extensively. Like like you've done, you could write a whole book about it. Um, but what are some of the other dynamics that we're seeing in watches right now? Um, I'll let you kind of talk, I guess we'll just talk about the ones that you like, um, first. Sure. Well, you know, I think, I think so many watches have, uh, and watch companies have recognized that, okay, yeah, we have all these metrics, but you know, how, how do we teach people to use them? Right. Number one. And then, you know, I, I, what I do like that I'm seeing in the shift is a lot more recovery Mm. measurements. Interesting in watches. I think that's way more important right. than probably 90% of the metrics out there. Right. Right. You know, uh, yes, we can dive into all these specifics. Like I say, leg spring stiffness and vertical oscillation. And, right. you know, I, I even like 
uh, pronation degrees yeah. and all this. Like it's like it's no, a lot. <laughs> are you recovering from your workouts from right. your training? Right. Okay. Are you, are you maintaining the sleep quality that you need? Right. Your HRV. How is that? How right. is your resting heart rate? And what, what it's is like, HRV just for our, our listeners? Uh, it's heart rate variability. Okay. So it just means it deals with the electrical activity of the heart in terms of what's going on with it. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're rested and, and fresh and doing well, it tends to be high when you're mm -hmm. really fatigued, it's very low. So, and that, that measures know, the time between beats. Is that just practically? Speak? Yeah, that's probably a, a good way to describe Simple. it. I mean, yeah. it, like I say, the, the electrical activity and kind of the health of it in terms of, you know, its ability to, to continue mm -hmm. to fire and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So, um, it, yeah, so it's it, 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 just think the higher it is, the better. Right. It's a good number. Now, right. you're more rested. Is that? Yep. Yeah. Is that the only number that matters? No. Right. But, you know, there's like uh, Polar does something interesting where it'll tell you, hey, you're you're kind of taking some risk in your training right now. Mm -hmm. You're kind of overdoing it lately. Mm -hmm. You know, the load that you're under is way more. I saw that a lot um, during a uh, pandemic. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. sure a lot of people yeah. did too. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I think I think those are that's really if I if I'm looking for a, a, any sort of smartwatch of some type, you know, Yes, I want it to be compatible with my devices right. that I have. Like right. if, if you're using a Stride or if you're using, uh, you know, another another product. Right. Sure, that's great. Right. Yes, absolutely. Then start looking at what's this going to tell me about how I'm recovering from sessions. Mm, interesting. So so that I don't come in in the next session, you know, maybe with 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 uh, expectations that are actually unrealistic. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that. We never, I, I kind of created this two day rule or 48 hour rule, as we call it, mm -hmm. um, where we never with canoe want to be at a point where if, if, if we just take 48 hours, we should, with the, the next, that third day, we should be, we should be back and, and nail mm -hmm. it. Well, mm -hmm. never, if, if that third day is not good, we're overdoing it. Mm -hmm. We're taking risk. Right. So that allows us to be consistent. Mm hmm. And, and and train well mm -hmm. and i think so many athletes are so used to trying to jump to the to the lie the biggest little part. oh i gotta jump right to that super long ride right at iron man intensity right away and right, it's right, just right. gonna get better and better over four months right so, just consistent yeah so just, <laughs> every day's got to be harder than the last every day's got to be more than the last right yeah i yeah. got the tuesday night world championships group ride, the saturday <laughs> right. morning world championship group ride the sunday <laughs> right. long run race right. with the, everybody around right you know it's like why am i not getting better like, exactly <laughs> well it works for about six weeks right and then athletes are toast i tend right. to find so interesting you know the ability to recognize that beforehand i think is is the is most important mm -hmm. so now I'll look at Polar will tell me, Hey man, you're, you're doing a little more than you, you know, you're, you're getting risky here, mm -hmm. but I know myself, I'm right. Like, it's not risky. I'm just, I'm, I was fat and lazy and now I'm trying to get back into shape. <laughs> right. I'm not really training hard. It's just, right. yes, I'm doing more, but right. I, I think right. I'm okay. So right. I can use my own perception, but I think for a lot of athletes, it's tough to have kind of that, uh, find that objective feedback that mm -hmm. says, hey, this is what the data is telling you. You're taking yeah. risk. Right. You're not sleeping well. Right. You're, you know, this was poor quality of sleep. This right. was, you know, uh, you know, your heart rate variability is up. Your resting heart rate is up. Yeah. You know, all these signs just say, hey, you know, get their attention. So 
I, for as much as triathletes love to train, I think it's, it's, they should love to recover. Yeah. Yeah. They need to recover too. That's uh-huh. notorious. I mean, we have like hundreds of stories on the website about how to rest and recover. And you know what? They're not often the most read. <laughs> Our most read ones are like, here's this killer, you know, bike brick kind of thing. And everyone wants to just beat themselves up. But then it's like, you know, how to have your most effective rest day. It's like, nah, I don't care about that. <laughs> That's not interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It's so, very telling. Yeah. To be able to see that. Um, well, are there any functions or any features you've seen on watches? You know, we don't have to get into brands or models, but anything that you're just like, meh, that's garbage. Like, I don't care about that at all. Oh, you know, uh, uh, honestly, I've, I've not, I'm probably not the best on that. I mean, I've, mm. I've worked with Polar for a while, so mm. I've, I'm mostly used, used to their, their product. So mm. seeing that I, I, I'm trying to think, I, I don't really know too much. Like as much as I've just preached about HRV, mm-hmm. I think HRV is it should only be one metric in a in a series of data that you get. Oh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, we're in a. I mean, we're like we're in coronavirus right. time, right? Right. We're we're learning all about new metrics of how we measure the pandemic. Right. You know, from okay, posit- positivity of test rates to well, but what's our ICU capacity? You know, right. what's hospitalization? What's the death rate, though? Right. You right, know, right, so right. it's, you know, it's they're not just because the pandemic's high doesn't mean the death rate's high mm-hmm. at certain times. You know, we're looking and seeing, well, now we've improved that. So, right. you know, HRV would be just kind of one of those metrics you look at, say, OK, you know, so I, I think what do you mostly like it's to, about what do you like to look at alongside HRV, HRV specifically? Believe it or not, man, I'm just a big believer in subjective wellness. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you're feeling. Right, right, right. Are you are you happy with how training is? Right. You know, like right. just and so that like like I don't know. Maybe your listeners know I'm not a training peaks guy. I use today's plan. Right. Um, you know, and and one of the major reasons I made the initial switch was the subjective feedback, yeah. the ability to track that and have a, an alert system that tells mm-hmm. me. Hey, this athlete just said they're kind of t- upset about oh, the way this workout went. Right. It's like, well, I need to know that right, as right, a right. coach, and that's the time I need to go and talk to them. Right. right. Um, you know, and so especially the more experienced athletes, mm-hmm. getting them to log how they feel, mm-hmm. even just it forces them to take inventory on a regular mm-hmm. basis, mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not to say that, you know, every time they give me a poor rating, like, oh, stop everything. Right. It's like, <laughs> if, if you, if you're coming off a hard day and you're tired, right. Yeah. I, I expected that. Right. So right. I think, I think getting more subjective wellness down mm-hmm. for athletes is, is important. Um, you know, I know I, on a lot of, a lot of the smart watches, um, not necessarily on the watch itself, but a lot of the apps do a pretty good job of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how did you feel on your run? Was it, you know, where was the effort? I know Polar does a good job with that. I think Koros does a pretty good job. I'm sure Garmin does too. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of in there, I guess, you know, yeah. just while we're sticking to watches. Yeah. Bit, but yeah. I, and, and I think, I think as, as athletes start to look at this, it's, it's, you know, those, those things that tell them, okay, Hey, you're taking a risk in training. Mm-hmm. Then they can they at least pause in that and mm-hmm. say, well, am I right? You know, it, even if, even if the answer is no or yes, right. it's like the important thing is taking that inventory. Right. So Absolutely. any, any watch that 
you know, gives athletes feedback in terms of, especially if it's automated to say, right. Hey, you know, here's where you're at. That that's helpful. If they're not taking regular subjective wellness of how they're feeling on right. a day. But, right. and I mean, and when I talk about subjective wellness, what am I talking about? I'm talking about emotional well-being, mm-hmm. physical well-being. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, basically the uh, overall general health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mental health, physical health, emotional health. Right. You know, what's your stress level? Right. I think, man, I can't tell you what I've learned in the past, you know, eight to 10 years in terms of stress levels. Right. And it's a, and it's effect on athletes in training. Right. And that's, like I say, that's why I, I had to go to something that really gave me that because right. so many times I was working with athletes and I'm like, why isn't this working? Right. Something's not should be working. Right. And then come to find out, oh, well, Jimmy didn't know it, but I'm going through a divorce. Right. Uh, my kid has a drug problem. Right. I got to lay off 300 people at my job. Right. Um, you know, I, I, this person quit on me and now I've got all this work and, you know, just, you know, just things like that. Like my company's being sued, right. you know, my practice is being sued. So right. there's so many things that affect training that I think we never really do. So I feel like, you know, it's not necessarily what the watch can do. Mm-hmm. It's mostly what the watch says, says, Hey, what's going on when we're not training. Right. Interesting. Well, that's good to look yeah. for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so in terms of, you know, just the nitty gritty of, you know, using a smartwatch, do you have any, um, any info that you like your athletes to see at a glance? Do you have a, a, a way you like to set up your pages? Because I know that's always such a big thing with athletes. You know, it's like you've got all these, all these metrics that we we're talking about. Some, some helpful, some not, you know, some completely useless while you're running, some only helpful afterwards. Um, what do you, how do you like to set up your screens? Well, I think you set up your screen according to what the goals are for the session. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like, like if, if I'm sending my athletes out on an easy run, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even really want them looking at pace. Right. Just, just look at the time. Oh, that's interesting. So would you, so that's something I never even thought of. Would you recommend, cause you know, you can set up different profiles. Would you mm-hmm. say, Hey, this is my easy run profile. This is my, my interval day profile because you know, that, that stuff is very easy to set up. Um, but mm-hmm. I think we only think of it like, here's me cycling, here's me running, here's me swimming, mm-hmm. here's me maybe trail running, you know, they have that for some funny reason. Um, but that's an interesting thought. So you, so what would you put on your, your easy run? Oh, I, like I say, just time. I, I make my athletes do run walk. Mm-hmm. I myself do a lot of run walk, mm-hmm. especially on re- our recoveries. Mm-hmm. So like I'll have a timer mm-hmm. and it'll just time it. And like if I'm doing four minute run, one minute walk and I'm doing 40 minutes, so you know, maybe I'll have that timer and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I'll know, okay, I got to go eight minutes or maybe I'll have total distance on there just so I kind of know or total time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, just oh, that's keeping it, keeping it nice and simple. Well, Cause we don't, we don't want it. To, we want to take in relevant information, right? Exactly. Pace and power on an easy run. doesn't matter. Irrelevant. Yep. Irrelevant, right? It's, yeah, you, it should be about are you going easy, mm. and then I and then I think, you know, the athlete, you gotta okay, what if we're working on cadence, right? Okay, well, if it's a, you're trying to hold a goal cadence for a certain interval, then mm-hmm. cadence and maybe that lap interval mm-hmm. and whatever mm-hmm. whatever else, um, mm-hmm. average cadence maybe for that interval, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it really, it really is just about what are we trying to accomplish in that session mm-hmm. and recognizing that and, and going from there. And some athletes, sometimes it's about, you know, uh, okay, we're going to hide power on this right. bike interval because I want you to learn how to, how to do it how to feel know, free in your mind. Yeah. yeah and, and trust it. You yeah. know, I, I just had an athlete, she did Ironman Florida mm. showed up and her Garmin was dead. She's <laughs> and she swore she charged it the night before. So uh, did the whole race, no, no power. Right. You know, she's like, you know, she still hit our goal time within two minutes. Oh, that's funny. And felt good and, and did right. everything. I right. mean, I mean, she just knew, knew from everything. Right. So, you know, that, that having that, I think is, is key. Some athletes, they'll, they'll, you know, they see a number, they get intimidated. Right. Some athletes, some athletes think that they should be here and right. really their expectations should be here. So right. well, they feel down and negative about the workout. I right. see that so often. Yeah. An athlete will mark a workout as unsuccessful or disappointed. And I'll look at it and be like, what are you talking about? This right. is huge. Great improvement. Oh, <laughs> right. Really? Oh, I just expected more. It's like yeah, expectations funny. and reality. Let's try and line those up. So right. I can really color the workout while you're in the middle of it too. You know, mm-hmm. you, you try to push too hard exactly. because you think you're, yeah, you're over it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I know we do a lot of, um, you know, we'll try to set up our workouts in the watch, you know, so it tells mm-hmm. you, you know, you get an alert at two minutes or you get an alert at, you know, whatever. Um, but maybe setting up the the screens for the workout should be part of the, you know, part of the process really going through like, what am I hoping to do here today? And um, I know I, I just reviewed this new Wahoo uh, rival smartwatch um, and they yeah, do it. to hear about it. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's, it's really great for triathletes. Um, it has some really unique like triathlete functions. Um, you know, there's a whole review online, but um, but it has this thing instead of paging. Th- well, you can page through the screens, but you can also zoom in and out, which is like kind of weird at first. So it's like for me, it's like at the beginning of the race, I want to see my heart rate and, you know, my power and my, you know, whatever my pace. But there becomes a point in the race where I'm like, I don't want to see my heart rate anymore. So I zoom in and heart rate disappears <laughs> off the screen. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, this is screwing me up or, or my more likely my pace, you know, <laughs> like my pace mm-hmm. is just like, it's off or whatever. So you zoom in and pace disappears or you zoom out. And now you've got it back. So that, that was kind of cool. Cause it's like widening or tightening the blinders mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, they have that on their, on their Wahoo Rome and Wahoo exactly. Bolt. Yeah. Both the way. Yeah. You yeah. just kind of do that. Yeah. Everything expands, zooms in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, it's it's cool, and you can set up those different profiles right there on right. Uh, uh, so I, I would assume it's probably the same feature. It's the same know, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're saying easy run. This is my map version or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's yeah. that's cool. And you know we're 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 approaching some of this stuff. You know, like with today's plan, we 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 can actually apply routes to a workout. Mm, interesting. So you know that, that and that's been something that Garmin can do and and Wahoo can do right um i just don't know that they've actually done that in the watch yet um so right. that might be where it's coming next like okay right. i'm you know i'm going to go to this new town and hey there's there's this route i can go and do and i can right. have that on there so yeah, yeah it's it's cool uh, yeah. it's i mean we're st- Watches are only going to get better yeah you know <laughs> it's it's amazing how far they come um so just We'll talk about specific watches and, and stuff. And I probably have more opinions than Jim because this is literally all I do. But um, <laughs> I know a lot of a lot of triathletes are probably looking at smart watches over the next month, you know, as a gift for, you know, a, a loved one or maybe for themselves. Um, so I just 
we'll talk a little bit about some of the features, you know, that a triathlete should be thinking of. You got you got any off the top of your head that that must have for triathletes? In terms of a watch, well, I mean, I think I, me personally, I never like wearing a heart rate strap. Yep. So I'm more of a wrist based power. Yeah. You know, if I can get the wrist based uh, heart rate, yeah. To me, that's uh, I like that. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, I kind of got away from coaching athletes based on heart rate simply because I. <laughs> I didn't want to make my athletes wear a heart rate monitor if I didn't want to wear one myself. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Rest based I think heart that's, rate. that's key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm interested. Uh, just, I think Apple's going to probably come out with something new soon too. It'll be interesting to see what they kind of yeah. do. Yeah. Apple's been hit or miss for triathletes. Like it's got mm-hmm. a lot of cool functions and then some they just completely whiff on. Um, mm-hmm. But you make up for it with their apps. You know, like mm-hmm. this, like Stride has an app. Like obviously, you can't add a, a, you know, data screen to Apple's workout that has power. Like they're not even mm-hmm. in the ballpark of allowing that. Um, mm-hmm. But they they have some pretty good apps that allow you to use some of the cool functions. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm definitely with you on the on wrist heart rate. Um, I would say for me, like open water swimming. You know, I think especially with the pandemic and you know pool closures and things like that. And I've always been the kind of athlete and well, not coach, but we'll just say the, the kind of athlete who thinks more open water, the better. Um, so I think those open water features, you know, they're, you find them more and more on cheaper and cheaper watches. Um, I'm definitely running with power. I think we can both agree on that. Like a, mm-hmm. a wrist-based one at the very least. And then you can always, you know, upgrade to a foot pod later down the, ro- the, the road. Um, so those are my big ones. Open water swimming, running with power, and then, yeah, on wrist heart rate. Even for me, even though I've been using the Polar Vantage V, I, I still connect it to my stride. Yeah. So having the ability to do that. One thing that I wish it could have where I think Garmin does probably a better job um, is Garmin will actually take in uh, the leg spring stiffness part of, yeah. part of it. So and- just tracking that over time, relatively speaking, for, for an athlete is, is one that I like if that if I had one critique of the Polar Vantage V, mm. uh, but uh, yeah. So, uh, but maybe maybe the Wahoo one. Uh, I'm interested in seeing that one. Wonder if that one will do that. Yeah, I think they've got some. I think they've got some room to grow in that watch. We'll say. I think they're okay. It feels it feels almost ready, um, and it does have some cool stuff. Like it's got this really cool um, no touch transition feature. So it like okay. it knows when you stop swimming and you're up for your transition and it knows when you hop on the bike and it knows when you hop off the bike into transition. And I, I did it with a manual transition. Like I had a different watch in the other hand and they were really close, um, hmm. which is just kind of cool because a lot of times you forget to do that, you know, while you're racing, you just yeah. get up in the moment and that's um, a pain in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool and kind of novel, you know, it was like kind of a neat trick. Um, mm-hmm. But then they had this cool thing where you can hand off uh, your stats. So you hit start at the start of the race with your watch, you do the swim, you get out of the water. And when you get close to your Wahoo element on the bike, it throws all that data onto that screen and, and mm. continues with it. So I'm like, for me, I'm like that, that seems like something companies should have been doing a long time ago. You know, Garmin's got yep. their own cycling computers, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully people, I hate to say it, but hopefully people copy that. I think that's a really neat thing for race day. Yeah, I agree. That is cool. Yeah. So any 
I've got I've got my picks for favorite watches right now. You know, um, anything that you are in love with? Oh, uh, you know, honestly, uh, just reading your list that you sent me, I was like, I didn't even know. I've never heard of that one. So <laughs> I, I'm probably not the guy to take the bit, to take that advice from. It's, okay. it's mostly just uh, what company am I working with? They're going to send me a watch. Great. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> that's that's kind of what I've been. Right. So, uh, well, I'll go through my well, list. I'll, then. I'll take your word for it. Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, for like the $200 range, I'm super into the Coros Pace 2. I've done reviews on that. It's got on wrist power. Super tiny. It's like bracelet size. Um, super solid connection. The only downside is it's missing that brick multi-sport mode. You know what I mean? So that kind of like yeah. if you're going run, bike, run, bike, run, bike, it doesn't do that. So that kind of sucks. Um, mm-hmm. For like the $400 range, I know we talked about the Vantage V, um, but I like the Grit X. Um, it's just a little bit cheaper. Still got open water swimming, on wrist power. It's a little burlier um, than like the Pace 2. Still got a lot of those diagnostics, you know, the recovery stuff that we talked about, the HRV, um, touch screen, good post-workout metrics. Like, uh, I like that one. Um, and then mm-hmm. like, if you're just going like all out, I think the the 400, 945, I mean, it's 600 bucks, but it's got, you know, open water swimming, lots of tri profiles, functions, maps, music, small size, crazy battery life, you know, stride capabilities, no on wrist power, but, um, you can spend another $200 to make an $800 package and <laughs> just get everything you need. Um, I know, right? Yeah, that's a lot of money. What's, what, what more is it going to add? No, just the stride. If you have to buy the stride with it, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> so, and, then, and then oddly, I've tried the Apple Watch and I'm an Apple guy through and through, but um, I really like the Suunto 7, like for lifestyle. Okay. Um, super good integration. I mean, it's 500 bucks, but... You know, it's not cheap, but if you have an Android, apparently it's the way to go um, that I've heard. So, so yeah. So, those are my picks anyway for anyone who is just dying to hear what all these watches sitting next to me in my office, um, which ones I'm wearing the most. Those are probably the, the winners. But anyway, well, that's all for us today. Um, any last words of wisdom when shopping for a smartwatch this winter, Jim? Pay attention to recovery. Boom. The recovery metrics could save your whole season. I love it. That's awesome. So lots of features, but make sure it's got recovery. Well, that's all for us today here on Gear Up Podcasts. And uh, thanks again, Jim, for joining us. 